0: Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist, and today is June 28th in the year 2020. So I'm, I don't have a lot of time for chatter, so because I have a lot of stuff that you're going to listen to. But you can go to armchairsurvivalist.com. You scroll down to the bottom. You can see all kinds of different ways to listen to me. You go to left hand side of any armchairsurvivalist.com page, and you'll see the little nipper dog uh, listening to the RCA Victor gramophone. Click on that and uh, you'll be able to download Or listen to any of my shows for the current year And I'm sure there's a lot more stuff I can tell you what's going on But but uh, in my store, Survival Enterprises uh, You can find us At se1.us S as in Sam, E as in Edward The numeral 1.us You can call us also Area code 310-295-9686 310-295-9686 Alright we're going to get into this the problem. and here's the thing: Those of you who have listened to me any number of years I've been on the air over 25 you know my whole job is to give you information to make your life easier to run, uh, make it easier for you to survive, I give you knowledge of the enemies that could cause you problem in any facet of your life. And unfortunately, the concept of what is a communist has disappeared. From the United States In fact, it's disappeared from most places in the world Uh, Wherever there's communists They like to to hide themselves They hide themselves under different things Uh, They they call themselves Democrats in the United States They call themselves the liberals In uh, the UK But my job Is to bring those ragged cockroaches Out from the dark And shake them in front of you in the light So that you can see and understand what's going on Alright, so let's get into this thing now We got First off, I have a few uh, categories that I have to talk about One of them is the economy, the other is health and food, and then Trump And then we're going to go into Antifa, looters, rioters Right now we're going into the economy And uh, I have some bad news for you all Remember Chuck E. Cheese, pizza parlors? I, I remember those when I was um, just a little bit over when I was in, you know, not quite young But yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, fighting bankruptcy, going down the tubes Speaking of going down the tubes you know all these little stores out there a t and t stores verizon stores sprint stores well, they learned something during this uh covid horse manure uh that they don't need to have those stores anymore because well, people are going to walmart and buying a t and t phones and sprint phones and verizon phones so a t and t sprint verizon and the rest of them are looking at downsizing or even closing all of their all of their little stores that they've had for about twenty years. Walmart, now I've talked about this before Walmart is looking at doing away with cashiers totally They've been running an experiment for the past year and a half to two years of self-checkouts Right? You see them in a Walmart store You'll see, you'll see like seven or eight checkout lanes And then you'll see self-checkout And they, they, first they would have four of these little checkout things there Then they had six, and then they have nine, then they have 15 Well, they're looking at doing away with all cashiers Okay, just a word of warning. Of course, the unions, are not they don't like that at all, and I don't blame them. They're, they're, people are going to be losing their jobs. Now we've got to get into uh, food and health. Well, uh, Subway. Subway has decided to jump on the uh, let's get rid of meat bandwagon, and they're doing away with their chicken and their beef sandwiches. And I guess this is basically locational, because there's different places in the United States that they're... They're getting rid of other ones along with that, but it's it's a friend of mine works at Subway here in in Coeur d'Alene, and he bought fifteen pounds of of the sliced chicken when they closed it out, and he brought it home. So they're these two sandwiches are getting uh, definite getting rid of is the the uh, you know they have the they're doing this new version of the five dollar foot long specialty, but it's going to be without chicken and without beef. So just Things are changing. Yeah, yeah, it's not happy. And speaking of food, those of you who live in communist-controlled areas, like California, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Washington, there is a website for truckers that go there. It's it's. Uh, I've read the magazines that they put out, and, and uh, the websites. I've I've gone to their websites. If you uh, live in any of those areas. And it gets any worse than it is now. In fact, even if it's even now, truckers are, are threatening to not deliver. Period. Any place that decides to defund the police, they're not truckers. Are seventy nine percent of truckers say they will not deliver, and this is on that uh, on that website, and I have access to it. Now, if you go to armchairsurvivalist com, you'll see the show notes link there, and uh, you go to that for whatever date of show you want. And you can go and find out everything that I'm talking about. All right, we're getting into the Trump category now. So Trump had a rally on Saturday, and th- the media made a big hula-balloo about how the fact that that uh, it, there were a lot of empty seats and such like that. What they didn't tell you was that there were over 4,500 people who could would not and could not enter the, the Coliseum because of the communist protesters that were out front. Well, here's the other thing that none of the media is going to tell you. Fox News, which is the only media that filmed and and promoted his uh, show, his rally live, they had the highest ratings ever in history for them. Over 7.7 million people watched Fox to see Trump. And then he also had uh, live uh, casting on uh, phones and tablets and computers and all kinds of other newfangled stuff. And that was another 5 or 6 million people watching that stuff. So, so uh, don't believe any of that garbage about how nobody turned out and, and, and all of that. It's, it's all garbage. Remember what I told you? Believe nothing that you hear, and now you can't even believe anything that you see. You have to use your mind. You have to be able to think critically. There was a guy who wrote a book. I don't remember the name of the book, but he was interviewed. And during the interview, this guy asked him a question and the guy answered it so well that I'm, I want you to hear his answer.
1: Why is a billionaire from New York who came down from an escalator who was twice mar- three times three times married and twice divorced, the most pro-life president in American history, why is it that it took a billionaire from New York who was formerly a Planned Parenthood-donating Democrat to put Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and 200 circuit court judges on the Supreme Court? Why is it that a guy that never served before in American politics is able to renegotiate NAFTA, get us out of the WTO – tell the WHO to go pound sand, tell the UN to go pound sand, renegotiate NATO altogether, get us out of the JCPOA, make sure those billions of dollars we sent Iran are not going there anymore, move the embassy to Jerusalem, recognize the Golan Heights, deregulate the American economy, make us energy independent, finally build the wall. Why is it that that guy did it? It's because every single other person that preceded him besides President Reagan was part of the problem. They are part of the very same community of people that were Ivy League educated, said one thing and did another, were part of the ruling class that protected the agency, protected the bureau, protected the DOJ. And as long as you said the right things and kept the deficits going, raised the taxes, deteriorated the industrial base, boosted Wall Street profits, kept the, kept the borders wide open so that we could have four nationals domiciling in this, our country that do not share our values, eventually get benefits, their kids can vote against our own values, then things will be just fine. Why is it that this guy is different? It's because unlike any other president, he could have been in the ruling class. He said, no, thanks. He had enough money to be in the ruling class. He's got more money than James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Struckstrokes, Smirk, his lover, Lisa Page, and the person who probably published his book, combined and multiplied times 100. He's the only president in modern history to have his own plane and actually go to probably a smaller plane when he becomes president of the United States. He's one of the only president that was a best-selling author, number one TV show on The Apprentice, NBC, literally was in every single rap song was glamorized. President Barack Obama said the American dream is to be what? Is to be Donald Trump. That's what he said the American dream was. Why is it that this guy's all of a sudden the populist here? He's supposed to be part of the ruling class. It's because he's a defector from it. It's because he was in the dinners, he was in the cocktail parties, he heard the language, he heard the contempt that the ruling class, the Wall Street financiers, the Washington DC lobbyists and the Silicon Valley elites that he had to be around. He knew the contempt that they had for the plumber, electrician, the carpenter, the bricklayer and the person building the very same building that he was financing. So, he took the woman rank mentality, the philosophy that built that woman rank quicker and better than anyone could have imagined, despite the New York City bureaucracy, the municipal burdensome rules. And he said, I'm going to bring this to Washington, D.C., and I'm actually going to do something that a politician has never done before. I'm going to tell you the truth, no matter how brutal and honest it is, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. From the time he went down the escalator, he was the only person running for office that talked about China immigration, the two issues that are most affecting our country now. How was this possible? Because he listened to the very people the ruling class hated. He would walk a job site and he would ask him, what's on your mind? He says, man, I'm really worried that we're getting taken over by China. I'm really worried that we're getting too many people in this country. I'm worried I can't pay for health care. He internalized it. That's what a populist is, someone who listens to the people. So what makes President Trump different? This is a president who didn't need his job. He's the only president in American history who's going to be poorer poorer after becoming president than before he's not going to sign a book deal big enough to possibly make up for the gains his son investigated by every single authority imaginable from bob Mueller to the house intelligence committee to adam Schiff to the federal bureau of investigation after being set up for that very same meeting his businesses audited and currently under criminal investigation by the new york attorney general for no reason and no grounding further his other son eric trump his charity gets shut down for self-dealing despite no evidence at all he just wants to give Treatment to cancer kids, St. Jude's Hospital. His 11-year-old son under constant and daily attacks for just existing in this society. How dare he live? He's the only person that would be more damaged materially, philosophically, and morally. Every other president ends up better on the back end. They end up being able to write their stoic journal and drama and being better respected. This guy is a vessel for us. A vessel for those of us that have nothing but resentment for the kingdom of Washington, D.C., The type of people that think everything is just perfectly fine because we we just built a Hermes. Hermes is now in Reston, Virginia, don't you know? Louis Vuitton's in Fairfax County, everybody. Things are great. Didn't you know that we literally have Dolce & Gabbana now in Georgetown? Things must be wonderful. You go into Washington, D.C., the cranes are as far as you can possibly see. The construction cranes, more construction happening in D.C. perpetually. Why? It's the only place in America. This is why 8 out of 10 of the wealthiest counties in America are around Washington, D.C. It's the only place in America where they get richer at gunpoint. They have a multi-trillion dollar cash flow happening into their center, into their power structure every single year, not because we want it. If Chicago and Minneapolis and Detroit, if people get rich there, they have to convince you to buy their products. Maybe it's manufacturing, maybe it's automobiles, maybe it's Best Buy, which is, of course, a Minneapolis company. But Washington, D.C. is different. They do it at gunpoint. This is why Trump is different.
0: And the main reason Trump's going to get reelected is because the uh, Democrats have put the biggest idiot Democrats ever nominated to go against Trump. Think about that for a second. Just think about what I just said.
2: Joe Biden is slipping.
0: Uh, Rapidly rising, uh, um... uh,
2: Now at the age of 77 uh, years old and running for president for the third time, Biden is clearly diminished.
3: All men and women created by the go, you know the thing. Sometimes I wake up and I think it's 1920.
2: Joe Biden does not have the strength, stamina, and mental fortitude required to lead this country. I'm Donald J.
0: Trump, and I approve this message. All right, we're getting into the category Antifa, looters, rioters. These are all communists. No Andrew butts. We're going to figure this out later. And I have got to do this quickly because I only have a few minutes before the, the recordings start kicking in. Antifa, and this is for those of you in and around the Gettysburg area. Antifa has threatened to desecrate the Gettysburg National Cemetery on July 4th. Then murder and burn white suburbs under cover of fireworks. Okay, now I'm going to have the links. Again, like I t- said before, I'm going to have all the links necessary for you to go and look at the, whatever I'm talking about. Now, if if, if and Black Lives Matter actually was about Black Lives Matter, why were there on Father's Day weekend, 104 blacks shot by blacks, 14 of them fatally? That's, that's why BLM has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. CNN. Now these are we're we're under a combination of liberal psychosis and antifa. These are all communists. This is the whole thing. This is the whole chihuahua right there. CNN compiles list of unforgivable statues and names of places. Corporate America. Have you noticed this? Corporate America. Not all of them, but a lot of these corporations are pumping money into these uh, these these like Black Lives Matter and antifa and such. Have you noticed? That these communist organizations are gaining power. Have you noticed that? Well, these these corporations are pumping in money. I have a list of them. Almost five hundred million dollars has been put into these these eight, these organizations that are purposely and openly destroying America. You're gonna you're not gonna I mean you're not gonna believe this. Twenty three and Me, uh, Abbey Road Studios, the Academy. Or the Oscars, in other words. You know, let's see what else. Uh, Activision, Blizzard, Adidas, Airbnb, Alaska Airlines, Amazon, AMD, American Airlines, American Express, American Apparel, Ancestry.com, Armani, and that's just the A's, ATT. These people, they're donating money to the enemies of America. And there's even, remember Chick fil A? Chick fil A, these little uh, fast food restaurants that used to be Christian. Well, you can pretty much forget that it's gone, because there was a there's a video of the CEO of Chick Fil A kissing a black guy's uh, uh, foot. Sorry, I almost got it backwards. Bass backwards is kissing a guy's foot. The CEO of Chick Fil A on his knees kissing his foot. Where in an unrelated uh, report. <laughs> this woman that owns a little corner store got tired of being robbed. The blacks would come in there and just take what they want. And walk out the door And uh, one of them, two of them came in One of them went in the back, started stealing stuff The next one started to threaten her She just took out a pistol and shot the guy That's how it's supposed to be done You've seen videos now Of chiefs of police All over the United States Taking a knee with these protesters Do you know during the Nazi occupation The Jews were ordered to take a knee And to kiss the, the feet of Nazis And now we're seeing this played out again In the United States the entire Florida SWAT team resigned after the chief takes a knee. And I have a there, there's another video of, of uh, all of these blacks rioting, and they decide to take down the statue of George Washington. And they write, kill Whitey all over the side of it. If you notice this in the mainstream media, the base of that statue was always blurred out. You, you had no idea what was on there. It's because they had written, kill Whitey. As a matter of fact, and you've seen this all through the United States, what any areas that are ran by communists are tearing down statues. And now they're saying that we need to tear down any statue of Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't white, he was dark. So we need to tear down all statues. South Dakota governor, who's in charge of Mount Rushmore, said, Don't try it here, boys. Now I just had Ugalala a, a Sue come in uh, And she was she's up from the reservation there And she said One of the elders of Ugalala Has said uh, that we need to We want to take Mount Rushmore back And she looked at me and she goes I, This guy's crazy because it's on our re- reservation we, we already have We already have it Trump just signed Let's just call it a strong executive order To protect monuments uh, Throughout the United States there's already a law that puts mandatory jail term of up to, well it's not mandatory, but jail term of up to 10 years. He wants it mandatory. So you get caught defacing a statue, a monument, anything like that, uh, your life's going to change. Well, now we have this cute little article here. This is a, the, the uh, communist mayor uh, in Oregon <laughs> uh, who walked with the, pro- the protesters. Right, And this is the Olympia, I'm sorry, Washington Olympia, Washington uh, Marched with the protesters And then uh, one of them followed her home And defaced her house Oh well And then there's the principal that got fired Because she was critical of BLM She said, you can't change things By threatening people You can't do that And I don't agree with it in any way, shape or form She was ordered to agree With Black Lives Matter On her Facebook page and she said, uh, hell no, I'm not doing that. So she got fired. Now remember, all of these things I'm telling you, go together under the liberal psychosis. How about this one? The Star Spangled Banner will no longer be played at the Tulsa Athletics home matches. This is a soccer group in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Star Spangled Banner is out. No more. No more. Here's a warning to you guys about fireworks. Fireworks. Now, I live in in Idaho, and we can go to the reservation, and we can buy these mortars. And it's about a four-inch diameter heavy cardboard tube that you light these little balls and drop them down there, and they go boop. And they go up a couple hundred feet in the air and go boom. What these uh, communists are doing is buying those and then using them as explosives. Brings me back to the picture of what the uh, Nazis were doing prior to World War II. To uh, demonize the Jews, they had a picture of this Jewish guy with a beard and his and his uh, uh, hat on, and he was holding this round bomb with a fuse hanging off of it that was lit. Well, this is what they're doing right now. You be aware they're using fireworks as weapons. Be aware of that. Now, I even have a video here of a, of some blacks attacking this guy who's homeless, who's laying down to sleep, and they throw one of the bombs on him. They have no they have no conscience. I've heard people describe them as soulless. What's occurring right now? Right now. In the United States of America Is that the blacks are creating their own self-fulfilling prophecy This is the generality But if you have 25% of the blacks in the United States Are anarchists and causing problems But 75% of them keep their mouths shut And don't dare intervene in any of this Then they're going all of them, 100% Are going to suffer the consequences of the actions of a few And that's a sad commentary But that's exactly how it's working The mainstream media, which is communist-controlled and in fact, the majority of the members of mainstream media are communists. Half of the people that work for Fox News are closet communists. They like to use the words progressive, democrat, what have you. Remember, in the United States, you have only two political parties. You have conservatives and you have communists. I have spent many years researching this. I have a doctorate in religion and philosophy. I'm not just some right-wing wacko. I'm somebody who does research Unlike many, many, many other radio hosts, they just they have a crew that hands them five or six things and they stretch those things out to a couple hours. You get more information from me in two hours than you get from any media. I don't care who it is in seven day time. But the problem that we're having is this is not going to get better. This is going to get worse. I've been telling people for years, put food aside. Make sure you're comfortable with weapons. Make sure that you can stand on your own two feet. Make sure that you can be self-reliant. And make sure you're willing, willing to defend yourself and your loved ones. If you don't stand up and say, that is crap, then nobody else will. And you'll deserve what happens to you. I have a clip that I'm going to play for you. Uh, it's sponsored by the John Birch Society, and it was, uh, it was done and produced by a gentleman named G. Edward Griffin. It was a lecture put out by him in 1969. Listen to it, and you're going to say to yourself, this sounds like today.
4: As early as 1928,
0: the communists declared
4: that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric by constantly probing and straining at this one spot. They calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We mustn't kid ourselves into thinking that the Communists have placed their agitators only into the black communities. They're working both sides of the street. They want hatred, violence, and bloodshed between the races, and they don't care how they get it or whom they use, even children if necessary that the Communist Blueprint calls also for white retaliation and violence in the black communities. It's a very important objective for the Communist Party. So far, they've only been able to involve a small percentage of our Negro people in this war of national liberation. The great majority want no part of it in any form, but the one sure way to change that is to have white vigilante groups striking into the Negro sections supposedly to seek revenge. Ladies and gentlemen, the plans and preparations for a communist revolution of force and violence are far advanced. The organization behind these preparations has almost unlimited financial resources and it provides both training and leadership based upon years of experience in many other countries. Our enemies are deadly serious about their task. And it's nothing short of national suicide for us to continue to ignore their plans in their progress. The strategy of the proletarian revolution calls for the quiet conversion of our government into a communist regime, but under the banner of socialism. Well, what is socialism? All right, let's define it. According to the dictionary, socialism is a political concept based upon the principle of government ownership and control of property, the means of production, and the avenues of commerce. Under socialism, Those who run the government, and the communists are confident that in America they eventually will be the ones who do so, those who run the government will know who is to get something and who has to wait, and that represents control over human beings. What has all this to do with the communist revolution in America? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has everything to do with it because the building of socialism is the communist revolution in America. It represents the process whereby our country can be moved gradually toward communism without the people even being aware of it. No matter what grievance we may have, real or imagined, no matter what national problems we may face, the communists seize upon these as excuses to build socialism. They have one and only one solution for all problems. More government, more government, and then more and more until it's Total government, and forgive me for saying it one more time, total government is communism. In 1943, the following directive was issued from party headquarters to all communists in the United States. It read, when certain obstructionists become too irritating, label them after suitable buildups as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic and use the prestige of anti-fascist and tolerance organizations to discredit them. In the public mind, constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind. But because they are lying, it's possible to expose them. And this is their Achilles' heel. By comparison, we have nothing to hide, therefore we have no reason to lie. And we wouldn't want to even if we could. Truth is a far superior weapon than deceit. It's a weapon which is denied to them. And in the end, it will be the decisive weapon that destroys them completely.
5: Anarchy. The breakdown of law and order. A chaotic reign of terror, mob rule, and rioting. The collapse of government authority. These phrases ring strange in the ears of Americans, and for good reason. Through the years, America has stood as the world symbol for law and order. Our government is responsive to the will of the people. Our courts and legislatures provide the mechanics for a peaceful redress of grievances. And the policeman on the corner has traditionally been looked upon as a friend, not as the instrument of a tyrant. Anarchy? Well, that was something we read about in our newspapers that was always happening in other countries. Perhaps the people in other countries had just reasons to riot against their governments. After all, many of the nations of the world are dictatorships in one form or another. What business was it of ours, anyway? Newsworthy, perhaps but it could never happen here. Then, in the summer of 1964, widespread rioting and looting suddenly broke out in Harlem, in Rochester, in Newark, in Jersey City, in Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Chicago, all within a few days of each other. It was as though an unseen hand had given the signal. Then, on August 18th, 1965, Guns replaced nightsticks in the hands of law enforcement officers as the Watts area of Los Angeles literally burst into a cauldron of insurrection. Thousands of rioters roamed the streets both night and day, smashing and looting, and setting the torch to over 50 square miles of the city. Hidden snipers held police and firefighters at bay as fires raged unabated. At least 35 Americans died in the violence and gunfire. The sheer magnitude of this monstrous madness strained the abilities of the civil authorities, and the California National Guard was sent to Watts with orders to quell the violence with brute force, if necessary. The spectacle of American soldiers shooting it out with American civilians was even more shocking than the rioting itself. The nation was stunned and horrified. No smugness now. This time, it wasn't a foreign country. This time, it was Anarchy USA. The degree of communist influence in these riots has been subject of much discussion and controversy. For a solution to this controversy, let's review the events of recent years, both at home and abroad, in light of the communists' own plans for world conquest.
6: The communists disdain to conceal their views and aims. They openly declare that their ends can only be attained by the possible overthrow of all existing social conditions. The most powerful enemy can be conquered only by exerting the utmost effort and by thoroughly, carefully, attentively and skillfully taking advantage of even the smallest rift, of every antagonism of interest among the various groups or types within the various countries.
5: Divide the people, split them into quarreling factions, fighting among themselves rather than their common enemy, This is the comrade's first rule for the conquest of any country. For well do they know from long experience that the nation so divided and weakened can be easily conquered from within. For Mao Tse Tung, finding the point upon which to divide the people of China and create a revolution was comparatively simple. The Chinese for centuries had been principally tillers of the soil eking a meager livelihood from land they did not always own and for which they paid tribute to landlords who generally had large holdings. Strong backs and legs were requisite to survival for the great masses who provided the power for China's limited and primitive industry and agrarian economy. A new regime promised reforms, but the communists were not interested in reform. They were dedicated to revolution. Because of the dissension and sabotage created by the insurrectionists and the reticence of some of the landlords and merchants to change the established traditions, the reforms were slow in coming. And so the rich and well-to-do were inclined to stay rich and well-to-do, and the lot of the poor fared only slightly better. And a minority of the Chinese peasants accepted the idea so subtly planted and avidly nurtured by the communist leaders the so-called enemy of the people had been identified. It was the landlord. He was the cause of the misery and injustice. And so the point of division for the Chinese people was established. In Cuba, a land accustomed to crisis in government and the decrees of dictators, Fulgencio Batista headed a regime that was the least tyrannical Cuba had known for several decades. Rising levels of education, culture, industry, and commerce were enabling the people to enjoy the highest standards of living in all Latin and South America. Corruption in government there was, but no more than was to be found in many cities in the United States. Fidel Castro, a young, well-trained communist revolutionary with much experience, seized upon the issue of corruption in government as he undertook the creation of his revolution. It was the government, said Castro, The government was responsible for the problems and oppression felt by the people. It was the dictator and his followers. It was the Batistianos. They were the enemy. In Cuba, as in all countries, there were the poor and the poorly educated who labored in the fields. Castro promised agrarian reform, which focused the discontent of the rural community upon the latifundista. They too were the enemy. And so the communists, experts at fomenting discontent, began to split the population into quarreling factions, setting Cuban against Cuban. Algeria is a creation of the French. Before the French came to the land now known as Algeria, it was nothing more than a conglomerate of warring tribes. Their constant fighting among themselves for the best pasture land each spring and the best barley land each autumn kept the native population of the area at about 1,500,000 for 14 centuries. Today, after little more than 100 years of French rule, the population of Algeria stands at about 9 million. Under French dominion, the Algerian nation grew and prospered. The two cultures of Islam and Christianity were working together to create a good life. In the early 1930s, the dissident voice of the communist was heard among the people. At first it whispered, the Algerian nation is not France, cannot be France, and does not wish to be France. Independence is the natural right of all peoples. As the seeds of disunity began to germinate, the dissident voice was heard more loudly to proclaim, Islam is my religion. Arabic is my language. Algeria is my fatherland. And so, too, in Algeria were the issues that were to divide the people clearly defined. It was to be Muslim against Christian, Arab against European, Algeria against France. The enemy was personified as the cologne. With phase one, that of dividing the population, completed... The revolutionists were ready to move into phase two of the communist blueprint for takeover. Create the appearance of popular support. In every country now part of the Red Slave Empire, the actual number of communist party members at the time of takeover has been less than 1% of the total population. As Lenin phrased it,
6: Communism must be built with non-communist hands.
5: By cleverly beguiling thousands of well-intentioned people into unwittingly supporting the revolutionary program, the dedicated 1% can trick the 99% into surrendering their birthright. This they do by hiding the true communist objectives behind appealing slogans and pretended humanitarian goals. As Stalin explained,
6: The revolutionary accepts reform in order to use it as a cover for his illegal work.
5: In China, the propaganda mills were active in championing Mao's agrarian reform. The propagandists portrayed in vivid detail the hardships and injustices of the Chinese peasant. The communists popularized the slogan, Land to the Tiller. Mao Tse-tung exclaimed, We are not striving for the social and political communism of Russia. Rather, we prefer to think of what we are doing as something Lincoln fought for in the Civil War. The Liberation of Slaves In the United States, those books which praised Mao Tse Tung as non-communist and an agrarian reformer were advocated reading, and some even became book club selections. It was later revealed that many of the pro-communist books and articles were written and reviewed in this country by communists. The American people, unaware of the treachery, were conditioned to accept the enslavement of China's millions. Cubans rallied round the slogan, Patria o Muerte. But perhaps the most widely used slogan was the one later to be used in Haiti and Venezuela, and still later in English in the United States. "Venceremos," We shall overcome. Early in the revolution, Fidel Castro sought to reassure the people of the true nature of the uprising. I have said very clearly that we are not communists. Our revolution is a humanistic one. The press of the world sang praises of Fidel Castro. Many eulogized him as the savior of Cuba. In the United States, Castro was referred to as the Robin Hood of the Sierra Maestra. ...that he pursued the same policy of taking from the rich and giving to the poor. The nation's press was quick to report, This is not a communist revolution in any sense of the word, and there are no communists in position of control. The only power worth considering in Cuba is in the hands of Premier Castro, who is not only not communist, but decidedly anti-communist. And so the Cubans and the Americans and the rest of the world were reassured that there was no infidel infidel. In Algeria, more land was owned by Muslims than was owned by the Europeans. Yet the propagandists claimed that the poor Muslims were being oppressed by the wealthy European landowners. The call was for Muslim unity. It was oppression colonial oppression the Muslims were to fight. It was to be a holy war in God's cause. The insurrectionists declared that Algerians were an oppressed people living under a tyrannical colonial government and therefore their revolt was a war of liberation. Since all Algerians held full French citizenship, both Muslim and Christian majorities regarded the idea of liberation as ridiculous. Ahmed Ben Bella, leader of the revolutionists, and four companions were arrested by the French and confined as political prisoners. Ben Bella later escaped to Cairo, where he and others set about the task of convincing France, the world, and the Algerians that Algeria needed to be liberated. Then started a systematic reign of terror designed to intimidate the Muslims into going along with the liberation movement. This book was published by the French army in an attempt to alert the free peoples of the world as to the true methods employed by the communist-led insurrectionists. The atrocities shown here were perpetrated upon the Muslims by Ben Bella's rebels parading under the banner of the National Liberation Front, or FLN. Men, women, and even children came under this merciless scourge in the name of freedom. We would never have brought these documents to the notice of public opinion had the torturers not chosen to depict themselves as victims, had the criminals not been transmuted into accusers. And that is exactly the way it appeared to the world. The French army was accused of police brutality. The godless revolutionaries were depicted as liberators. The insurrection was described as a popular and spontaneous uprising of the people. So effective was the programming of this big lie that some of the world's leading citizens were led to give aid and comfort to the enemy that plans to conquer the world.
4: I am today introducing a resolution which I believe outlines the best hopes for peace and settlement in Algeria. It urges in brief that the President and the Secretary of State be strongly encouraged to place the influence of the United States Behind efforts either through the North Atlantic Treaty Organization or through the good officers of the Prime Minister of Tunisia, the Sultan of Morocco, to establish the basis for a settlement of an independent personality of Algeria, interdependent with France and the neighboring nations. I believe this to be of vital importance to us.
5: This photo was taken October 15th, 1962 in Washington, D.C., and carried the following caption. Premier Ahmed Ben Bella of Algeria and President Kennedy stand as Ben Bella receives full military honors shortly after his arrival today for talks with the chief executive. Ben Bella is expected to thank Kennedy for having called for Algerian independence as far back as 1957. After receiving full military honors at the White House, Ben Bella visited fellow revolutionary Fidel Castro before returning to Algeria. In April of 1964, Americans read in their newspaper, Far more important facts are that Premier Ben Bella, though very much a dictator, is not a communist. One month later, in May of 1964, Ben Bella was awarded the Lenin Peace Prize in Moscow. Two months later, in July 1964, communist Ben Bella declared, We solemnly reply here that our socialism stems from Islam. We repeat before world opinion that we are not communists. After the communists have found some issue or point of difference upon which they can divide the people, get them fighting among themselves rather than their common enemy, the next step is to create the appearance of popular support. ...for the Communists' War of National Liberation. They have been devastatingly successful thus far. Yet in one country after another, there have been alert, informed individuals... ...who saw the signs, recognized the patterns of conquest, and raised their voices to warn the people. Against just such a contingency, the Communists developed the third phase of their blueprint for world domination. Neutralize the opposition.
6: We can and must write in a language which sows among the masses hate, revulsion, and scorn toward those who disagree with us.
5: A Communist Party directive issued in 1943
6: reads, Members and front organizations must continually embarrass, discredit, and degrade our critics. When obstructionists become too irritating, label them as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic. Constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind.
5: In China, the formula worked well. The word landlord became almost an invective. Those who worked for the government were looked upon as grafters. The government under Chiang Kai-shek was reviled as an enemy of the people, a fascist tool of the ruling class. Those who refused to support the agrarian reformers were subject to surprise visits from roving guerrilla bands. The pattern was the same in Cuba. Those who were less than enthusiastic about Castro's reform were effectively branded as Batista followers. The man who spoke up against the revolt was labeled as a counter-revolutionary. Algerians who saw through the fraud and endeavored to warn the nation or their neighbors were vilified as extremists, colonialists, racists, fascists, torture, death, and the fear of torture and death were also most effective weapons against those who might resist the tyrannical takeover. The number of atrocities committed in the name of freedom upon the Muslim people averaged nearly 20 per day for every day of every month for seven years. The next step in the communist strategy is the most easily recognized for it consists of the tactic of getting masses into motion and thus precipitating mob violence. Master psychologists that they are, the communists know that once the masses are in the streets, it's not too difficult to convert an orderly demonstration into a full-scale riot. They know, too, that when rioting occurs, police and military forces of the government must move to restore law and order, and thus, they have the first visible signs of revolution.
6: Riots, demonstrations, street battles, detachments of a revolutionary army, such are the stages in the development of the popular uprising.
5: The official constitution and program of the Communist Party stated in 1921...
6: The Communist Party will educate and organize the working masses for mass strikes and mass demonstrations. It is through struggles that the working masses are prepared for the final conflict for power. As these strikes grow in number and intensity, they acquire political character through unavoidable collision and open combat with the capitalistic state. Mass action culminates in insurrection and civil war.
5: In 1964, a communist document taken from the Viet Cong stated,
6: Get the people out into the streets. Quarrels should be provoked. Youth groups are to be armed with knives and clubs, allegedly to protect themselves and the manufactured tension.
5: In China, as in all countries, the communist appeal was aimed primarily at students, young, idealistic intellectuals, most of whom came from wealthy families who could afford to send them to school. It was from this group that the young communist recruits came who later provided the leadership and backbone for the armed conflict to follow. In Cuba, leftist-oriented students were the vanguard of the organized street demonstrations. Once the masses were in motion, that tenuous line between demonstration and riot, between nonviolence and violence, was easily obliterated. As law enforcement officers sought to restore order, Police brutality became the cry of the insurgents. Algeria was more of the same. Rallies, demonstrations, marches, and the inevitable flare of violence. The invariable charges of police brutality were hurled as efforts were made to maintain law and order. When marches and demonstrations turn into riots in any country slated for takeover, the communists are then ready to implement the final stage of their blueprint for conquest. It takes only a handful of armed opportunists, criminals and savages, to create the semblance of revolution.
6: Only insurrection can guarantee the victory of the revolution. The purpose of insurrection must be not only the complete destruction or removal of all local authorities and the replacement by new, but also the expulsion of the landlords and the seizure of their lands.
5: Chiang Kai-shek's nationalist forces had long been fighting the communist-inspired insurrectionists of Mao Zedong when the Japanese invaded the mainland of China. With the end of World War II and the defeat of the Japanese, the United States pressured Chiang into forming a coalition government with the communists. Through a coerced truce and enforced arms embargo, the U.S. disarmed more than 30 divisions of Chiang Kai-shek's nationalist troops. On the other hand, the Chinese communists fell heir to all the arms left by the defeated Japanese. And with the help of added armaments from Russia, Mao was soon able to ride in triumph throughout China and give 400 million Chinese agrarian reform, communist style. When it was time for the shooting to begin in Cuba... Fidel Castro received millions of dollars in cash and vast amounts of arms and ammunition from the Soviet Union and communist groups throughout the Western Hemisphere. At the crucial time in Castro's bid for power, the United States State Department declared an arms embargo against Batista's government, refusing to deliver even the arms that had already been paid for and were awaiting shipment. Yet, on the other hand, revolutionary sympathizers were delivering men, arms, and ammunition to Castro daily from the United States. And so the Abraham Lincoln of Cuba and the Robin Hood of the Sierra Maestra rode triumphantly into Havana, was wined and dined in the United States, was hugged before the United Nations, received the Lenin Peace Prize, and finally admitted in a speech given December 2nd, 1961 to all the world, I am a Marxist-Leninist and will be until the day I die. In Algeria, Ben Bella's rebels were fighting their war of liberation with guns and ammunition sent to them through Tunisia and Morocco by the communist bloc countries. And just as the revolution was coming to a head, a slight change in the overall strategy was instituted. In 1958, France's president, Charles de Gaulle, came to Algeria, declaring with outstretched arms, "'I have understood you. I declare that from this day forward, France considers that in the whole of Algeria, there is only one category of inhabitants, that there are only Frenchmen in the full sense.'" De Gaulle called for the people to vote on the question of independence for Algeria, and the majority voted to remain French citizens, an integral part of France. De Gaulle said, three and a half million men and women have cast their votes of confidence. This is a fact that commits France and Algeria to each other for all time. Two years later, in 1960, the same French president, Charles de Gaulle, was heard to ridicule the Frenchization of the Algerians, and to talk of an Algerian Algeria. It didn't take the leaders of the Army of Liberation long to change the talk of an Algerian Algeria into slogans demanding a Muslim Algeria. Ultimately, the revolutionary Ben Bella returned to Algeria, and in due course, established a regime of which he said... We solemnly reply here that our socialism stems from Islam. We repeat before world opinion that we are not communists. And so it has been with but minor variations in one country after another. Divide the people. Create the appearance of popular support. Neutralize the opposition. Precipitate mob violence. Create the semblance of a revolution. An accurate summary of Lenin's strategy for the conquest of the world is as follows.
6: First, we will take Eastern Europe, next the masses of Asia. Then we shall encircle the last bastion of capitalism, the United States of America. We will not have to attack. It will fall like overripe fruit into our hands.
5: By October of 1950, all of Eastern Europe was securely locked behind the Iron Curtain. By the summer of 1954, the greater part of Asia had fallen to the Kremlin's strategy and tactics. And each year, more nations lose their sovereignty to Marxist intrigues or degenerate into Soviet satellites as communism hastens to complete the encirclement of the last bastion of capitalism. And what of the United States? How goes the battle in the land of the free and the home of the brave. The communist plan for the conquest of the United States was explained to the American comrades by Moscow's agent Joseph Pogani. Pogani was sent to this country by Stalin for the specific purpose of laying the groundwork for the agitation that would eventually develop into a Negro revolutionary movement. American Negro problems was published in 1928 by Joseph Fogani, using the alias John Pepper and carried the official communist line for America.
6: The Workers' Communist Party of America, in its fight against imperialism, must recognize clearly the tremendous revolutionary possibilities of the liberation movement of the Negro people. The Black Belt of the South, with its starving and pauperized Negro farmers and Negro agricultural working masses, With its Jim Crowism, its semi-feudal status and its political system still bearing the earmarks of the period of slavery constitutes virtually a colony within the body of the United States of America. The Workers' Communist Party of America puts forward correctly as its central slogan, abolition of the whole system of race discrimination, full racial, social and political equality for the Negro people. But it is necessary to supplement the struggle for the full racial, social, and political equality of the Negroes with a struggle for their right of national self-determination. Self-determination means the right to establish their own state, to erect their own government if they choose to do so. The Negro communists should emphasize in their propaganda the establishment of a Negro Soviet Republic. In
5: 1934, the communist writers James W. Ford and James S. Allen further define the Soviet Negro Republic.
6: The actual extent of this new republic would in all probability be approximately the present area in which the Negroes constitute the majority of the population. In other words, it would be approximately the present plantation area. It would be certain to include such cities as Richmond and Norfolk, Virginia, Columbia and Charleston, South Carolina, Atlanta, Augusta, Savannah and Macon, Georgia. Montgomery, Alabama, New Orleans and Shreveport, Louisiana, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Memphis, Tennessee. These cities, and the cities which lie within their spheres
5: of influence, became known in communist writings as the Black Belt of the South, and were to constitute the nucleus of a future Soviet Republic. At the National Convention of the American Communist Party, held in New York City in June of 1940, James Ford, the Communist Party candidate for the Vice Presidency of the United States, said... My
6: people, the Negro people of America, have in the Communist Party their best defenders, the unfailing champions of their cause." I accept this nomination for Vice President of the United States.
5: By this time, the Communist champions of the Negro race had hidden the revolutionary ideas and slogans for a Soviet Negro Republic behind the humanitarian banners of jobs, security, civil rights, and peace. These humanistic issues were to provide the friction necessary to divide the American people and lay the groundwork work for revolution.
3: I am Leonard Patterson. When I was a young man, only 23 years old, I joined the Communist Party. I was a member of the National Executive Committee of the American Young Communist League. In 1930, I was the official Communist candidate for election to New York State Assembly. I knew Gus Hall, and other top-ranking American communists very well because I trained with them at the Lenin University in Moscow. I joined the party because I honestly thought the communists were trying to help American Negroes. I broke away from the party when it became clear to me what the communists were really up to was to use the Negro people in this country as cannon fodder in a violent and bloody revolution aimed at the establishment of the American-Soviet dictatorship. It was that simple, and it is still that simple today. Make no mistake about it. What is happening in the United States right now under the banner of civil rights is exactly what has happened in China, in
7: Cuba, in Algeria, and many other places around the world. I'm Julia Brown. For nine years, I was a member of the Communist Party, serving as an undercover agent for the FBI. During that time, I learned that the Communist conspiracy had been planning and working for years to bring violent revolution to America. It was to be a communist revolution, but the great majority of the American people would not be allowed to realize that until it had already happened. If all goes according to the communist blueprint, Americans will believe that the chaos and violence has something to do with civil rights. Our enemies were quick to find our weakest point for their attack. They knew that racial differences could provide them with an excellent wedge to divide our people. Their strategy simply has been to keep hammering on that wedge, to drive it deeper into our social structure. To open all wounds that have long since healed and deliberately to create new ones wherever they can now
8: he, he acted he acted like a good nigga for the white folk but i tell you i don't want to i don't want to even be around no more good niggas i'm with them no good negroes that's what they call rodrick Because a good negro i want to be with the bad niggas because i know what's happening with the bad niggas that's where i want to be right. i want to be with the niggers. Niggas that don't want to ride on the back of the bus no more. And this is what our little dangers are calling you. And the bad niggas is not gonna work for 18 or $20. No, I want to be for the bad niggas who're gonna register and vote. All right. I want to be for the bad niggas gonna swim on any god's sort of beach where water is flowing. I wanna be for the Lyndon
9: Johnson is a This nigger lover in the United States, he may think that he can use his Justice Department with Bobby Kennedy at the head of it, and he may think that he can use J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI and the Army to force us white people here in St. Augustine and other parts of the nation to mix up with niggers, but if he sends troops in here and puts a bandit behind every one of us, we still will not mix up with a bunch of black savages i like to say, in a, in a real sense, not fellow freedom fighters, but fellow slaves, for well, we all are slaves, not only in this society, and not only in this community, but all over this nation and all over the world. What you're doing here is very significant, and it's very important.
6: Let you follow up your friends and acquaintances ask them if they want to help put this fight over to save this country from the onslaught of integration you know the system is they want to throw white children and colored children into the melting part of integration through out of which will come a conglomerated the latter mongrel class of people all races will be destroyed in such a movement I for one. Other God will die before I'll yield one inch to so that kind of a woman. about No!
8: Well, and not only has the black man got a catch and they call him Michael Luther King, we call him Luther Fair.
5: So the seeds of dissension were sown among both the black and the white races, and inexorably the people of the United States were being divided according to plan Among the so-called downtrodden and oppressed among the supposedly starving and pauperized Negroes the enemy was referred to as Whitey, Mr. Charlie the man, and the Ofe Phase one was well on its way Now it was time to implement phase two. Create the appearance of popular support. Beguile the people of the United States and the world into believing the pious fraud that the civil rights uprising, led by a handful of agitators, was a popular movement of the whole Negro race in the United States.
7: Now this doesn't mean that there isn't a legitimate need for the advancement of civil rights for many of our Negro citizens. Of course, there is a need there. Otherwise, communist agitators posing as civil rights leaders could never hope to enlist massive support for their schemes. The aspirations of Negroes for full equality were not created by communists, but they are used by communists in such a way that idealistic Americans of all races can be tricked into implementing the communist blueprint for revolution. Having been on the inside of the communist party, it's easy for me to recognize this revolutionary agitation in disguise. But the average American finds It's hard to believe that something as worthy and noble sounding as a civil rights movement could possibly be a communist maneuver.
6: Communism must be built with non-communist hands. The revolutionary accepts reform in order to use it as a cover for his illegal work.
5: By concealing the true communist objectives behind appealing slogans and pretended humanitarian goals, the conspirators are able to dupe hundreds of uninformed opportunists and misguided idealists into supplying the non-communist hands needed in the overthrow of this republic. Thoroughly deceived, some of the Negroes cry for liberation through the slogan, Freedom Now. The democratic slogan, one man, one vote, has gained wide acceptance. But perhaps the most popular slogan is, Ben the rallying cry of the deluded peasants of Cuba, Haiti, and Venezuela. Ben we shall overcome, is now the rallying cry of the deluded peoples of the United States.
3: When I was studying communist tactics and strategy in Moscow, My instructors emphasized the importance of using honest grievances and popular slogans as a smokescreen to cover up the true nature of the revolution. We were taught how to use propaganda and arouse the emotion of the masses. We learned how to set one group against the other and to make them hate each other. We learned the necessity of having martyrs. And we were even told how to create our own martyrs if they did not imagine the result from the atmosphere of hatred. We were taught the importance of getting large masses of people into the streets for marches and demonstrations. And finally, we were instructed in ways to take off riots and make them spread and to keep them going. When I returned to the United States, I was immediately given practical training. I participated in so-called nonviolent demonstrations that were deliberately calculated to irritate white people and to violence against us. I personally was in charge of organizing a march on Washington to dramatize the Scotsman Boys case. In New York about 1935, a Negro boy was reportedly killed by the owner of a store while in the act of stealing some merchandise. Communist Party headquarters decided to make a march out of the boy. So we went right to work, putting out handbills and holding open the airmen's. And less than a half hour after we started, there was a race right there on 25th Street, complete with smashing wonders of white stocking looting, and all the rest. I'm not speaking of things I read about. These are things I personally participated in.
5: As it was in Cuba, so it was in Algeria. And so it is in the United States. In Jackson, Mississippi, Medgar Evers, state field secretary for the NAACP, was shot in the back by an unknown assassin as he was entering his home. After lying in state in Mississippi, the body of World War II infantry G.I. Medgar Evers was sent to Washington, D.C. for burial in Arlington National Cemetery. Now a victim of the very communist agitation he had helped promote, Medgar Evers was able to further serve communist purposes by being glorified as a martyr in the supposed fight of the Negro people for freedom and justice. Medgar Evers' remains were buried with full military honors and nationwide news coverage. As it was in Cuba, so it was in Algeria, and so it is in the United States. Mysterious bombings by assailants unknown plague the lives and property of the Negro people and serve to intimidate those who might speak out against the conspirators. The bombing of this Birmingham, Alabama church claimed the lives of four little girls attending Sunday school. A memorial service was held in Washington, D.C. for the four young victims, after which the mourners demonstrated their grief before the White House and the press.
3: We were taught how to use propaganda, how to arouse the emotion of the masses. We learned how to set one group against the other and to make them hate each other. We learned how to be set to having martyrs. And we were even told how to create our own martyrs if they didn't automatically result from the atmosphere of hatred.
5: Divide the people, then create the appearance of popular support. And if any of the alert, informed citizens call attention to the true revolutionary goals behind the humanitarian slogans, move into phase three and neutralize the opposition. One effective way to neutralize any opposition is to liquidate it. In the summer of 1965, a respected Negro farmer in Alabama dared to speak out critically against the civil rights revolutionaries. In this cabin in late August, 87-year-old Perry Smaw struggled with an assailant who said he had come to get Perry's tongue. The aged Negro's skull was crushed with a cast-iron frying pan, the attacker striking with such force that the skillet was broken. Then the intruder pulled Perry's tongue from his mouth and with a butcher knife, cut it off all the way back to the old man's tonsils. Perry Smaw the man who dared defy the conspirators died six days later. In China, Cuba, and Algeria, terror was also a most effective weapon in intimidating and neutralizing the opposition. And there's another, even more widely used method of neutralizing and paralyzing opposition to communism's conquests.
6: We can and must write in a language which sows among the masses hate, revulsion, and scorn toward those who disagree with us. Members and front organizations must continually embarrass, discredit, and degrade our critics. When obstructionists become too irritating, label them as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic. Constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind.
5: By duping the American public into turning a deaf ear to the voices of warning because the topics were controversial or because the patriots themselves had been ridiculed as extremists, racists, fright peddlers, the conspirators were ready to move one step closer to their hidden goals by precipitating mob violence.
6: Riots, demonstrations, street battles, detachments of a revolutionary army, Such are the stages in the development of the popular uprising. The Communist Party will educate and organize the working masses for mass strikes and mass demonstrations. It is through struggles that the working masses are prepared for the final conflict for power. As these strikes grow in number and intensity, they acquire political character through unavoidable collision and open combat with the capitalistic state. Mass action culminates in insurrection and civil war.
9: We've been studying history, studying civics, but right now you got to put your history and your civics in the streets. you got to make the Constitution real. you got to make democracy real. Since 1960, since February the first 1960, more than 50,000 of your fellow students have been arrested and jailed, beaten place police doors and water hoses before we see real freedom before we be able to walk down these streets with a sense of dignity and with a sense of pride and walk in freedom so that there will be more jailings more beating more water hoses more jobs
3: the other thing is this we are determined that this city will not celebrate its quadricentennial as a segregated city if that celebration... We plan to use everything within our power and all of the nonviolent weapons at our disposal to dramatize this blatant injustice. And to demand that the federal government not put a cent in this city unless it decides to face the realities of
8: desegregation. When Martin Luther King said march, we go going to have our marching and shoes. And you know they've kicked us around a long time, haven't they? Yeah. And so many of us have come, we've come up in life without any shoes at all. And if it becomes necessary for us to march without shoes, we'll march barefooted. I don't like the way you're clapping tonight. Are you ready to march? Are you ready to march? Men, we are not afraid of dogs. Are we children? So many of us, we were raised up with dogs. live the life of dogs right here in the United States of America. I want you to raise your hand high tonight. Everybody that's ready to march, raise your hand high. Are you ready to march? Are you ready to march? If you're ready to march, I want you to raise both of your hands above your head. I want you, now I want you to stand up on your feet. Keep your hands high.
5: Many were tricked into helping create the appearance of popular support for a conspiracy that hid its true objectives behind appealing slogans and humanitarian goals. A detachment of the deceived staged sit-ins, a handful of the hoaxed made freedom rides, a portion picketed and protested, while still others boycotted buses, and then more of the deluded mobs marched and demonstrated, as it was in Cuba, where the leaders of the humanistic revolution marched with arms locked in camaraderie, so it is in the United States, where the leaders of the freedom movement march with arms locked in brotherhood, as it was in Cuba, where the comrades marched arm in arm to shouts of venceremos, so it is in the United States, where the brothers march to the strains of, we shall overcome. We shall overcome. In 1965, Martin Luther King explained the purposes of the marches and demonstrations as follows. The goal of the demonstrations in Selma, as elsewhere, is to dramatize the existence of injustice and to bring about the presence of justice by methods of nonviolence. Long years of experience indicate to us that Negroes can achieve this goal when four things occur. First, nonviolent demonstrations go into the streets to exercise their constitutional rights. Second, racists resist by unleashing violence against them. Third, Americans of conscience, in the name of decency, demand federal intervention and legislation. Fourth, the administration under mass pressure initiates measures of immediate intervention and remedial legislation.
8: I didn't hear from everybody. Are you ready to march?
5: As Martin Luther King said, demonstrators staged a huge march on Washington, D.C. to dramatize their demands. They staged demonstrations across the country. And as Martin Luther King said, violence was unleashed. Then, accordingly, the federal government intervened and a vicious legislative step on the road to tyranny was enacted in the form of the Civil Rights Bill of 1964.
8: Their cause must be our cause too. Because it's not just Negroes, but really it's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy of bigotry and injustice. And we shall overcome. Now we mean business! Are you ready to march with us?
5: As Martin Luther King said, the demonstrators staged a huge march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, to dramatize their demands. They staged demonstrations across the country. And as Martin Luther King had said, violence was unleashed against them. Then accordingly, the federal government intervened, and still another vicious legislative step toward tyranny was enacted in the form of the Voting Rights Bill of 1965.
8: And these enemies too, poverty, disease, and ignorance, we shall overcome.
3: I broke away from the party when it became clear to me what the communists were really up to, was to use the Negro people of this country as fodder in a violent and bloody revolution
7: aimed at the establishment of an American-Soviet dictatorship. It was to be a communist revolution, but the great majority of the American people would not be allowed to realize that until it had already happened. If all goes according to the communist blueprint, Americans will believe that the chaos and violence has something to do with civil rights. Make no mistake about it.
3: What is happening in the United States right now under the banner of civil rights is exactly what is happening in China, in Cuba, in Algeria, and in many other places around the
5: world. The goal of the International Communist Conspiracy is world domination. They have thus far been highly successful in accomplishing the step-by-step objectives necessary for reaching that goal. In the United States, the Communist plans call for two revolutions at once. A revolution of a supposedly oppressed proletariat or working class against a capitalistic system that is supposed to breed wage slavery, unemployment, poverty, crises, and war. The second revolution is a revolt of the supposedly poor and oppressed Negroes of the Black Belt against the supposed lynching, segregation, social ostracism, and exploitation of the white man. Currently, what the communists call their Negro revolutionary movement, now masquerading behind the humanitarian banners of civil rights, is contributing tremendous momentum to the communist plans to take over the United States. Divide the people. Get them fighting among themselves rather than their common enemy. Create the appearance of popular support. Through a favorable press and the use of terror, intimidation, and the creation of martyrs, make the world believe the revolution is a popular one, particularly among those being liberated. Neutralize the opposition. When obstructionists to the cause become too irritating, label them as fascist, Nazi, anti-Semitic, extremist, racist, controversial. Precipitate mob violence. Get the mobs into the streets. March and demonstrate. As the demonstrations grow in number and intensity, they will acquire political character through the desired collision and open combat with the forces of law and order. Since mass action culminates in insurrection and civil war, What of the fifth principle of the communist strategy? Create the semblance of revolution.
9: Had not this rotten, fascist,
6: racist cop, lieutenant that killed a young cowboy, had he not killed the boy, the boy very well might have died in South Vietnam in the name of freedom. I was also asked to tell you not to get your passion so high, not to get too worked up. However, I think many of us are going to have to choose where we're going to die at. We're going to have to decide whether we're going to die on the streets of the United States or in South Vietnam. I would choose the United States myself.
7: From Havana, Cuba, free territory of the Americas, Radio Free Victory invites you to listen to the free voice of the South. Stay with us for music, news, and commentary. By
5: Robert F. Williams. Robert F. Williams, a fugitive wanted by the state of North Carolina and the Justice Department, broadcasts weekly revolutionary messages beamed into the United States from Cuba.
3: We shall take the torch of freedom and justice into the streets
8: of America, and we shall set the landscape stronghold of Yankee imperialism a place without our cry of freedom freedom now death for our
5: people. In the monthly newsletter published in Cuba and sent into the United States through Canada, the revolutionist Williams tells the Negroes of this nation, we must be willing to suffer jail. We must be willing to suffer death. We must be willing to kill for freedom.
9: There are Gestapo policemen on every street corner. It's just like Mississippi, and I predict things are going to grow worse. In fact, I think policemen are going to be dead before this situation is over. During the
5: summers of 1964 and 1965, the demonstrations became riots, finally culminating in the worst race riot in this nation's history in the Watts District of Los Angeles. Across the United States, law enforcement officers were dead. And Negroes did die in the streets, and the situation was far from over. Seven days after the rioting broke out in Watts, a new newspaper started publication, The Voice of All the Oppressed and Exploited. Calling for the workers of the world to unite, this new voice of the people declared that
6: all the people of the U.S. who oppose U.S. imperialism wish to thank the Communist Party of China and the Chinese people For their pledge of support for the people of Los Angeles in their struggle against U.S. imperialism. In keeping with communist
5: principles and expectations, the atmosphere of hatred generated in the Watts Riot resulted in 32 martyrs for the cause of liberation.
6: In their memory, we pledge to destroy U.S. imperialism. In
5: 1928... And again in 1934, and still
6: again in 1965, we hear... The Negro people constitute a nation in the Black Belt of the South.
5: Unless there should be any misunderstanding, Nobel Peace Prize winner Martin Luther King followed the example of Lenin Peace Prize winner Fidel Castro and Lenin Peace Prize winner Ben Bella, and protested that I am sick and tired of people saying this movement has been infiltrated by communists and communist sympathizers. There are as many communists in this freedom movement as there are Eskimos in Florida. In the past hour, we have offered only a brief survey of the material that's available to support the charge that the civil rights movement, as we know it today, is simply part of a worldwide movement or organized and directed by communists to enslave all mankind. There are hundreds of additional witnesses and thousands of additional facts to testify to the communist involvement in the American Civil Rights Movement. But the limitations of time prevent their inclusion here. We urge you to continue your studies of these unpleasant truths and gain a more complete understanding of the conspirators' plans to subjugate the United States. Begin by reading, It's very simple, the true story of civil rights by Alan Stang. The Civil Rights Packet. And the other books and pamphlets on civil rights that are available from one of the American opinion libraries across the nation. We also urge you to resolve first that you will not fall victim to the communist plot to set race against race, American against American, and second that you will now join with other patriots in a positive program and concerted action to save for our children and their children this once glorious country and humane civilization which we ourselves inherited.
0: Now you're going to hear an excerpt from an interview from an FBI expert on this kind of problem and he's talking about a book that him and a friend of his wrote what you think Black Lives Matter and Antifa are all about. Where do they come from and
4: why are people getting down on their knees to them, literally?
10: Well, this is all too familiar, Rowan, to FBI agents who worked the Weather Underground and the Black Panther Party back in the 1960s and the 1970s. The FBI had a major effort then against both of those groups, those organizations, because the Black Panther Party was actually tied to at least three dozen murders of police officers across the country. It had a 10-point plan, and essentially its 10-point plan was the same plan that today Black Lives Matter is pushing, and no one has read what Black Lives Matter has written as far as their plan and their charter, but it bears a great similarity to what the Black Panther Party was saying back then. The Black Panther Party was a uh, Marxist, Maoist, Leninist uh, organization, and that came from Huey Newton, one of the co-founders. He gave a speech in 1970 at Boston College, and he said, we're standing for nothing more than the Total transformation, very important two words there, the total transformation of the United States government and America. And he went on to explain that what we want to do is take the tension that already exists in black communities and exasperate it where we can, maybe create situations if we need to. But take those situations where there's a tinderbox and and literally light the country on fire. What would be the issue? The issue would be police racism, police brutality. This is back in the 1960s and early 70s. And so today we're seeing that same thing. Let's cross over for a minute to the Weather Underground. Weather Underground was headed by a guy named Bill Ayers. The Weather Underground was responsible for over 2,000 bombings of federal facilities, attacks on police officers, government installations. They had an explosion. In fact, one time in Greenwich Village, it killed some of their own people. It was a bomb factory. In, in the middle of, of the city of New York. So they don't care a whole lot about people's safety. What they care about is this. And this is why this makes no sense, what is going on today, because those of us who have a logical brain and, and think of things rationally would never think about this. But to them, it makes a lot of sense. Today, we're seeing the third revolution. They tried for the second revolution back in the 60s and 70s. Today, they think they can make this happen. And that's why Eric Holder, even in an interview a few years ago, said it's time for a third revolution in America. So you can see that all of these things are building. And the same issues that the Weather Underground advocated and put in its Prairie Fire Manifesto, a terror manifesto, which was aimed at overthrowing the government of the United States, is now what we're seeing play out today. The only thing that's different are the names of the groups, the personalities. But interestingly, there's a great difference today, a major difference, and that is today, they have essentially taken the inside. They have integrated the philosophy of the Weather Underground and the Black Panther Party into the Democratic Party, the mainstream of it. And I'll give you one example. The Weather Underground and the Black Panther Party hated capitalism. Of course, if you read the CPUSA, the Communist Party of the United States manifestos and websites, they hate capitalism too. The Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, the current Russia, the Chinese, they all hate capitalism. So do these people. AOC made a comment not too long ago. She said, capitalism is irredeemable. Bernie Sanders ran for years, ran twice on the idea that it's time for a political revolution and capitalism doesn't work. And what you're seeing now is people on the outside who are kind of violent. I mean, I know they call these peaceful protests, but gosh, can you imagine if we'd had arsons and looting and vandalism every time there was a Tea Party protest? There's a whole standard that's different now. This is the outside. This is the violent part. On the inside, the Democratic Party is ready to take what is happening here and say, look, all Americans believe this. It's time to get rid of capitalism. It's time to force on you climate change. It's time to change your entire economic, political, and while we're at it, your religious structure and your free speech and your Bill of Rights and everything else. And that's what this is really about back when the weather underground and the black panther party were exercising their campaign of terror and bombings and explosions in the aftermath of that guess who was really punished the fbi the fbi had its domestic terrorism or it is domestic intelligence capability eliminated we were told to stop doing anything with local police to keep track of organizations like this and so today and then and then we got COINTELPRO, where we got in a lot of trouble on because that's the tactics and methods we used to kind of identify and do the kind of and try to find out who's involved in these kinds of movements and uh, who's funding them. And so back then we knew we could get a jump start on going after these organizations, going after specific people, and we could explain what was happening. Today we have no idea. Think about it. You're living, or if, if you're living in the United States and you're living in Seattle and you turn on the news, you see that one of your precincts has been uh, essentially surrounded. Then it's abandoned. Then you find out a city council member has let the protesters into a public building. And then the next thing you know is they've taken over a part of town. And then you read an article in the paper saying law enforcement doesn't really know who these people are. That's pretty scary. Sure. And that shows you how much we don't know.
2: So I want to. I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, Bill Ayers before because I think that this is an absolutely fascinating link to this. How much has the Democratic Party been taken over? By this ideology? Because, of course, Bill Ayers was one of Barack Obama's political mentors. Um, Eric Holder was, as you said, very much as part of this program. And Barack Obama promised a fundamental transformation of American life. How much, A, has the Democratic Party been taken over by this radical ideology? And B, how much is this broader woke culture that's supporting it? You said that part of the ideology of the, the weather underground is about dethroning God. How much of this has now become a substitute religion for people in America who just need something to believe in and they've taken up this far-left
10: cause. I think, first of all, most of this is still preached by minority people. And even though we saw literally hundreds of thousands, let's say hundreds of thousands of people in the street, there are 320 million people in America. I think the vast majority of white and black and Hispanic Americans and Asian Americans look at this and wonder what is happening and they don't buy into any of it. But then you get into something else. You get into the fear factor. That is what prompts a lot of these corporations and a lot of people, certainly a lot of people living in parts of town that are disturbed by this and see these uh, lootings and vandalism and arson. They don't know what to do. They're not getting any guidance from their government. They hear no answers and so they start responding by maybe if I'm nice, maybe if I uh, apologize because I don't think there should be, I don't think people should be racist either. But that's not what this is about. This is uh, racism used as an issue to spark the revolution. It is meant and it is intended to be divisive and to divide the country. And that goes to the heart of what the Weather Underground wanted. The Weather Underground in their... Prairie Fire Manifesto called their strategy for revolution resistance. What did the Democratic Party do within hours of Donald Trump being elected? They started lining up behind their strategy, which was going to be resistance. In the 2016 Democratic Party platform, before they ever thought they would lose, in fact, they thought they would, they would, they would never think they would have lost that election. If you start going through that platform, you see integrated into it all of the language that you're hearing now. Long before, what we had happened, a terrible tragedy in Minnesota occurred, but these things were being built, the structure was being built to take advantage of these types of terrible strategies or tragedies long before this. And if you take the platform, the Democratic Party platform, you can see the whole idea of systemic racism and systemic police racism throughout. If you look at the Weather Underground platform, that's the main issue throughout that platform. Systemic racism, institutional racism, police racism. So, and it goes on in this book we wrote about a year and a half ago that just came out. We predicted this. And the reason we wrote it is that my co-author, Don Bracken, is a historian. And we were talking one day and I said, you know, I'm checking myself with other retired agents, but this is looking more and more like what we were about to see happen in the 70s and 60s. So we thought about it. We wrote this book in their own words, The Democratic Party's Push for a Communist America. And we started comparing these documents, the Weather Underground Prairie Fire Manifesto, the Black Panther Party 10-point plan, the Communist Party of the USA uh, website, the Democratic Socialists of America website and their platforms, Terry? and the Black Panther Party.
0: And there's more that he could have mentioned, different organizations. There's, there's plenty of these, uh, uh, these liberal, socialistic, communistic organizations including the Democratic National Committee. If you go on their website and read their platform, you're going to look at it and go, wait a minute, this is is pure communism. There's more clips I want you to listen to. This is information. The truth is out there. The reality is out there. All of these protests, all of them, have nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Every one of these revolutionary-style uprisings, if you would use the word, has to do with the same thing that the communists have always wanted, the complete destruction of the United States of America, the subjugation of the white race, and the complete control of this large country.
2: I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm here in Seattle at CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. This is the Seattle Secessionist Movement, or as I call them, the Confederacy of Dunces. They kicked out the Seattle Police Department, ransacking the precinct, putting up barricades, and declaring their fiefdom sovereign. We're going to find out what's going on.
10: We just
9: got to get rid of the whole shit. Start up, Burn the
11: whole shit down. Yeah. If there is no change, there might be a lot more destroying until there is. But I think... Some destruction and looting kind of sends a message to people, and breaking
12: their s**t is justified. In order to,
9: I'm not going to <laughs> dismantle the same nation that is deemed legitimate. We kind of have to destroy it. We said, you know what? Fuck the property, fuck the consumption, fuck capitalism.
10: I
11: mean, white people own slaves, so.
9: While
2: these sentiments were the majority opinion of most people in the Chaz, was it reflective of the leadership of this Lilliputian utopia? The question was answered when we interviewed Jaden Grayson, one of the leaders of this movement.
11: Every single day that I show up here, I'm not here to peacefully protest. I'm here to disrupt until my demands are met. You cannot rebuild until you break it all the way down. Respond to the demands of the people... Or prepare to be met with any means necessary. By any means necessary. Mm. That's not just a slogan. No, it's not a slogan. It's not even a warning. I'm letting people know what comes next. A response to violence is not violence itself.
2: The Republic of Chaz published a very clear list of demands. Among them was the abolishment of the
11: police. The Seattle Police Department turns in their badges. We'll have made a move forward. In other words, not defund the police. Abolish. Abolish the police state. Included in
2: the lengthy manifesto was the demand to abolish the justice system. So speaking of the criminal justice system, do you think that it's so inherently biased, so inherently racist, that the criminal justice system, the courts, all of that need to be
11: taken away? Absolutely. Without question. And then what? Again, you're asking a question that cannot be answered. The unraveling that happens to that system is also exactly what will fuel the black minds and the black bodies that will recreate a new world. Should we abolish the prison system? Yes, we should get rid of it as we know it today. Get rid of it? Yes. I don't understand why more journalists are not asking those questions. We run to black people the minute that they're killed, and we have been seeing them be killed for so long that the PTSD from that is unbelievable. You have people still bitching about 9-11 unbelievable one act of terror do you feel like an american i am an african brought to america i'm actually
3: one of the original members of the Seattle black panther party do you feel like the revolution that you've started is on the right track i done? think it's are a turn in the wrong direction honestly I, this police this precinct here is needed because there are a lot of people that that need police assistance who are they going to call but you know what we didn't go around and smash them and and burn them out and things like that it just didn't happen. So unlike, I think unlike today unlike today shutting down the streets and calling this some kind of autonomous zone is a, is a bunch of bullshit.
12: Hawk Newsom, chairman of BLM's Greater New York chapter, says the group is mobilizing its base and aims to develop a highly trained military arm to challenge police. Newsom says that the movement has marched for years to wake people up and plans to release a blueprint for change that involves BPP-styled armed patrols monitoring the behavior of officers on the streets. He added that the group is prepared to use any means necessary to achieve their objective. And now he's declared war on the police. We're preparing and training our people to defend our communities. At the beginning of June, Hawk Newsom was in Los Angeles, a city devastated by rioting. Where he held a think tank attended by members of the BLM Greater New York leadership and military advisors. Newsom, 43, an imposing 6 foot 6, believes that his Greater New York chapter can lead the war on police, and he doesn't hide the fact that his group's blueprint replicates some of the ideologies of the BPP. He says his chapter is now raising a war chest and plans to set up headquarters in an unused church. In New York, we have black special forces officers advising us, and we will teach and train people in our communities.
5: If this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace
0: it. I'm going to read you an article written by a gentleman named Jeff Nyquist. To the Americans who are on their knees, Opinion, a letter to the American Republic. We are near the end of the Republic, a revolution has begun and no decisive counter-revolutionary actions have been ordered. Why has this happened? Because we have been psychologically and linguistically disarmed. For example, the oath of allegiance of federal officials is to defend the constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But if we refuse to acknowledge the existence of enemies, if we cannot name our enemies, no defense will be possible. And this is the one thing, above all, that has been forbidden. We are not allowed to name our enemies. This is the raw essence of linguistic and psychological disarmament. Add to this a process in which America's enemies have flooded into the government itself. And now, when mob violence has been deployed on a massive scale, the country finds itself unprepared, disoriented, and defenseless. How did we get here? Leftists have gradually taken control over the curriculum of our schools. This curriculum was copied from designs made in the USSR for our express use. This curriculum destroys the mind's ability to work competently with abstractions. It leads our children away from patriotism. It leads women to turn against men, blacks to turn against whites, and Americans to turn against their own country. It's a very simple process of indoctrination that nobody has seriously challenged. We have supported this treason ourselves with lucrative funding. In consequence, we have been gradually losing control of our own institutions decade after decade and that is how we have come to this tragic moment in time. The phrase that best describes this overall process is psychological and linguistic disarmament. We have been intellectually disarmed and now the process has advanced from the realm of ideas to street violence. If the process is allowed to continue, Americans of all races and beliefs will be slaughtered when the foreign enemy moves his missiles, armies, and fleets into action. At present, our economy is under attack on a number of fronts. Law and order is being stripped from us. First, the police will be defunded. Second, the revolution will defund the U.S. military. Third, the Chinese and Russians will bomb and invade the country. Consider the following occurrences. Around the country, police officers are kneeling before protesters, begging forgiveness. Whites in the suburbs are also kneeling before blacks. An appeasing and obsequious spirit has taken hold of a neutered middle class. It is a portent of impending mass expropriation. It's a portent of atrocities, killings, massacres, arbitrary arrests, rampaging mobs, foreign invasion, and military dictatorship. In blue states, Marxist revolutionaries are using black anger to cover an attack on the country's economy, to take over the streets, to burn and loot businesses, to intimidate the government, and subdue the populace. As of this moment, their strategy is working. If the government does not take back the streets and stop the destruction of property, the revolutionaries will begin to dictate terms. In that event, every negotiation will go against the government until the revolutionaries are the government. Presently, the revolutionaries demand that the prisons be emptied and police disbanded. This will assure their control of the streets indefinitely. It'll allow them to use force at will to confiscate property and commit extra to judicial killings. The revolutionaries will form their own government modeled after Robespierre Committee of Public Safety. There are many who will say, in answer to the above paragraph, that I'm exaggerating the present troubles. They will say that my anti-communist prejudice has led me to a distorted view of events. They will argue that these protests are peaceful, and not about Marxism at all, but have to do with white privilege and systemic racism. While many protesters are genuinely worried about police brutality and systemic racism, they are but pawns and a screen for the revolutionary left to conduct its violent attacks. Many good and generous people believe in a leftist utopia of love and peace, But theirs is an upside-down world in which all facts are seen through the ever-inverting eyeglass of ideology. Sadly, they are ignorant of the actual forces manipulating them. Their knowledge of history and politics is too limited for safe involvement in controversies they do not fully understand. Vladimir Lenin had a name for these good people. He called them useful idiots. The present riots have little to do with racism and everything to do with Chinese and Russian war preparations against the United States. The left in this country, willingly or not, is the cat's paw of foreign powers. To not realize this is to be a political child. It signifies ignorance. The battle cry of systemic white racism is a theme fronted by our enemies. This theme has always been supported by Beijing and Moscow. It is supported for strategic purposes that are now coming into focus. Whatever our domestic problems may be, kneeling before a protest that is used as a screen by communists and foreign enemies is suicide. If we bend the knee to this, nothing will go back to normal. There's a video of vandals breaking into a business. The people inside are shouting, we're on your side, we're on your side. But the vandals do not stop. They proceed to smash everything in sight. Many of our politicians and military leaders are sympathetic to the protesters. They are afraid to use force against rampaging looters and incendiaries, and so the looting, the burning, and the violence will continue. The revolutionaries are emboldened primarily by a weak response, a response reminiscent of the French monarchy of 1792. It is a dangerous task to defend weak governments. Such governments are never steadfast. They are ready to appease or even capitulate The police are sworn to protect society with their lives, but they will not be supported, in turn, by weak politicians. They'll be hung out to dry. Their every action will be second-guessed. They are, even now, collectively slandered as racists. The Minneapolis City Council is, at this very moment, deliberating on whether to disband the police. In Los Angeles, a measure to partly defund the police and divert the money to black radicals has been approved. Consider what happened in the French Revolution. King Louis Sixteenth, seeing an insurrection being prepared and wishing to spare the lives of his subjects, put himself into the hands of the revolutionaries, saying, Gentlemen, I come here to avoid a great crime. I think I cannot be safer than with you. He abandoned his palace and gave up the protection of his Swiss guard. The revolutionaries, having the king in their custody, ordered the Swiss guard to lay down their weapons and surrender. We should think ourselves dishonored, replied the guard. We are Swiss, and the Swiss do not part with their arms, but with their lives. Heavy fighting began in and around the palace. The Swiss defended themselves. The revolutionaries were infuriated by the resistance. Louis XV heard of the fighting and ordered his guard to lay down their arms at once. They attempted to obey and were slaughtered. Of the 900 Swiss guards, 600 were killed immediately. Another 200 died of wounds or were murdered later on. Here's a summary of the whole process. To avoid bloodshed, the king gave himself up. His guard was slaughtered. The king was later beheaded by the revolutionaries, who had previously promised him safety. His wife, the queen, was beheaded. His children were imprisoned. Thousands of innocent persons were beheaded in turn. The Paris mob dominated the politics of those years until a young artillery officer named Napoleon Bonaparte fired grapeshot point-blank into the Paris mob and dispersed it. No more mob. Guess who the country's next ruler was? Do we have any bold, capable leaders in the U.S. military? Presently, the army leadership is terrified that racial division within the armed forces will break the army into mutually hostile camps. It's impolitic, they say, to use the military to stop the burning and pillaging of the leftist revolutionaries. And so even the army generals have bent the knee. The Chinese troops, when they arrive, will tell them to get off their knees. The Chinese will give them shovels in order them to dig. And when the holes are sufficiently deep, shots will ring out. and body after body will fall into the holes. And the People's Liberation Army will, with soft dirt, cover the holes into which the corpses have dropped. To our politically correct jackasses, you ought to be ashamed. Because you are a pack of unmanned, sniveling, disgusting, senseless, dead men walking. You have earned the fate that is in store for you. You die on your knees because of your foul, weak-minded, moral cowardice. Tomorrow, they'll burn the suburbs and decimate you. And while you're digging your grave for the nice Chinese soldiers, I want these words to be burned into your mind. You betrayed your country for 30 years of peace and prosperity. When the enemy took over the schools, you didn't care. When everything at your store was made by your enemy, you liked the low prices. When your enemy ran for Congress and the White House, you'd voted for him. And you congratulated yourself on being virtuous. But you aren't virtuous. You're cowards. You went along with the communist lies. You flattered yourself about winning the Cold War. You pretended that China was a country we could do business with. But now, the time has come for you to suffer. Well, most of you know me well enough to know that uh, if I'd have written this, it would be a hell of a lot more, um, shall we say, invasive. Because this is basically what Jeff was saying, was that We gave up We sacrificed And I saw this From when I was a little child And so have you You've seen the fact that the communists are taking over Uh, They've done this all through history You've heard Clips that I played That talked about How the communists use The weak minded And the uh, Useful idiots Which we have unfortunately plenty of did you know in these riots Now the FBI has video of every, every single riot and mob act That occurs within the United States And they run them through statistical graphing and, and, and the like And they discovered that only one in six participants In all of these marches, mobs, riots, looting Were black Now this is a generalization nationwide Because certain areas, when you have a population of blacks, is 90% black. Well, of course, the the, the looters and the rioters are going to be the majority blacks. But when you take the whole thing and you mix it into one big giant can and you check the numbers, it was like 15% were black and the rest were white. These are the phony, ignorant millennials who suffer because of enforced and created white guilt that the communist professors and the communist teachers have instilled into them. You know here in Coeur d'Alene, uh Black Lives Matter came in here and you know the whole story about that and it's been all over the world. We stopped them, but we allowed them to voice their opinions, you know. So they so they had a meeting down at a big park and what they did was they had their antagonists there. Who, with the bullhorn, was trying to do locker room rah rah to the uh, 20 or 30 pimply faced 12 to 15, 16 year old f- idiots. And they're white. They were white. There was maybe one black person here, and that was it on our side, so to speak. The other, there were three of these radicals, and these were all three professionals. Two of them were black, and one of them was Jew. I met that Jewish guy before and I've gone head-to-head with him and I kicked him out of my store once a few years back. He's a communist. Communism was a creation of the Jews. Communism was brought to every nation on earth by Jews. Communism is a philosophy, not a, not a religion, uh, not a political party. It is a philosophy that man is too stupid to be in control of himself and he needs the ruler or rulers To be in charge of him, to tell him what to eat, when to eat, why to eat, when to take a vaccination, where he can live, that he cannot own firearms or defensive weaponry. This is a fact. This is what communism is. And they've been trying this now for a hundred years. Now, don't get me wrong. Not all Jews are communists. All Democrats are communists. But not all Jews are communists. I had good friends that were Jews that wondered what the hell's going on with these wacko commie Jews. I mean, they call them wacko commie Jews. We're in for a very, very deep pile of El Toro Caca. And it's just unfortunately, and I hate saying this again and again and again, it's only going to get worse. Of the almost 2,000 armed men and women in Coeur that stopped the BLM from destroying downtown and kept Antifa out of Coeur d'Alene. I doubt there was more than 10% that would actually pull the trigger if threatened. They were just being proud to uh, deter this problem. Unfortunately, until we get to the point where we stand up, not only say no, but are willing to fight back. Remember what I've told you before, these enemies, white or black, I don't care what color they are, they use weapons. Right now, they're not using firearms. They use skateboards. They use sticks. They use baseball bats. They use bricks. Be aware. You see some kid walking around, 18 years old or something like that, with one of these longboard skateboards over his shoulder, and you never see him ride it. He is a revolutionary, and that's his weapon. Now, I just got news that the Antifa and, and the mobs are now starting to use, they are starting to use projectile weapons, paintball guns. Don't think that, don't think a paintball gun is a toy. They get 60 caliber balls going about 600, 500, 600 feet per second. They hit you in the body, under your torso, your chest, your back. It's going to leave a welt. They hit you in the face. It could blind you. And they are now using these weapons against police in the Democrat or communist controlled parts of the United States. You know, I never thought I'd live long enough to say that. Parts of my country are under communist control. You have only two political parties in the United States. One is conservative and the other is communist. There is nothing else. They've said we may not name our enemy. I name my enemy. They're communists. Now I have a little clipper that's going to end the show. I kind of like it. I didn't edit it. But I think you'll like it too. I'll see you next week.
2: If I say all lives matter, I'm a racist. If I stand for my flag, I have to apologize for it. I'm not allowed to go to church, but I can burn churches to the ground. I'm not allowed to open my own business, but I can go loot and destroy other people's businesses. If I wear a badge, have a gun, and I'm dressed in blue, I'm a racist pig. But if I walk around destroying my city with bricks and masks, I'm considered a peaceful protester. I'm not allowed to peacefully protest the lockdown at my capital, but I can go destroy and graffiti my capital. I'm not allowed to go to the park to play t-ball with my family but i can destroy the park i'm not allowed to protect our historical monuments and history but i can go tear them down and have them land on top of people i'm not allowed to have an opinion on racial matters because i'm white but if i don't have an opinion on it i'm the reason why people are oppressed i can go riot in the streets with the blm but if i go to a trump rally covid 19
11: magically appears does anyone else not see the hypocrisy in all of this i am done with your bullshit